appreciate you all uh, joining us this morning. And like I mentioned in our prayer, we are going to have this week and then next week. And then new classes start in July. And we'll have three new Bible classes starting up in July. One of them won't start until the 11th because both of the teachers will be out of town. But the other two will start on the 4th. And so those are, I'm excited about those. Our own, very own David Douglas is going to be teaching one of those classes, an apologetics class. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And then there'll be uh, Randall uh, Hinton is going to be teaching a Bible class in the auditorium on the Gospel of Mark. And the other one that will start on the 11th is going to be a finance class based uh, on some Dave Ramsey material. Check your bulletin. There's a lot of information about that that uh, will be really helpful for you. But your finance class based on some Dave Ramsey material that we encourage you to get because we can't legally copy that stuff and we don't want to get in trouble. Especially the te- one of the teachers doesn't want to get in trouble. Richard Scanio, Adrian Dawson doesn't mind getting in trouble. <laughs> but uh, we're not going to get Richard in trouble for that. So anyway, Adrian Dawson and Richard Scanio are going to be teaching a finance class that will start with things as relatively basic as you know, kind of keeping, starting, maintaining a budget to maybe if class interest is uh, kind of showing that way, some things like investments and stuff. Richard and Adrian are kind of wide open for some other things that they can talk about that. I think that'll be a neat class too. So we've got a lot of great options coming up next quarter. That's July, August, and September. Yes. If we have some written materials from him, as well from Dave Ramsey, is that beneficial at all or does it all go through? That's probably going to be a good question to ask Adrian, because uh, Adrian, Adrian's, Adrian's going to be the one for the finance class. Adrian's going to be the one handling more of the stuff that comes directly from Dave Ramsey. Some of that will probably be beneficial, but next week we can talk a little bit more detail about all that. All right, so we are on, like I mentioned, our second to last week of class. We have looked at three apology languages. So far, let's review those. Uh, what are some of the ones that we've looked at so far? Does anybody remember? Making restitution. This one, that's right. Is that what you're going to say? Okay. All right. Expressing regret. That's two of them. Making restitution, expressing regret. There's one more. Accepting responsibility. Very good. Okay. When you express regret, basically, what are you doing? Saying you're sorry. That's right. Saying you're sorry. You're Somehow, in some way, you're yeah, yeah. That and that's uh, they start off with that one because I think that's kind of the bare minimum. And sometimes maybe that's sufficient, right? I I'm sorry, I messed up. Maybe that's all all you need sometimes. Uh, when you accept responsibility. What, that's uh, a little bit more nuanced than expressing regret. What do you do when you accept responsibility? You own up to it, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you can, uh, <laughs> basically it's kind of like learning how to say, oh, yeah, I was, I was wrong about X, Y, and Z, or whatever it was. Yeah, all right. And uh, making restitution. What are you doing when you are making restitution? Trying to make something right. Yeah, I've uh, hurt you in some way. It, somehow you've lost something because of me, whether it's something tangible or intangible. Somehow you've lost something. So I'm going to try to, however I can, I'm going to try to replace 
what it is that you may have lost. And again, that could be tangible or intangible. So following the order of expressing regret, accepting responsibility, and making restitution. So this is the order that they present them in. Expressing regret, accepting responsibility, and then making restitution. Does it seem like there's some kind of pattern emerging here? Does anybody recognize something? Does it? <laughs> regret, responsibility, and restitution. That is actually true. I hadn't noticed that before. Eric, do you want to come up here and teach the rest of the class? <laughs> okay. My notes are color cord coordinated, so they're pretty easy to follow. Okay, dig into that a little bit for us, Melanie. Into the restitution for my own personal Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I think again, no, I, don't. I think what they're, <laughs> yeah, I think what they're really aiming for here is that for some folks, re expressing regret is sufficient, right? And for other folks to, you know, to really indicate that you are trying to apologize, maybe you need to learn how to right the wrong that you did or something along those lines. And yeah, maybe that's not true for other folks. Yeah, but I, I, when you said stair step, I kind of wondered if you were noticing. Does anybody notice here maybe a an increase in what is the apologizer sort of takes increasing ownership of what they did, right? Starting with something like saying "I'm sorry," I'm acknowledging, and "I'm sorry" can take a number of different forms, right? Because we mentioned earlier that "I'm sorry." Is, is, it's kind of sufficient you know, for maybe small offenses or something like that, but what's even better than I'm sorry? Well, hey, I'm sorry for da-da-da because I know it costs you to be late or like something specific, right? So I'm sorry plus specificity, that really goes a long way. But that still falls under the umbrella of expressing regret. But as you know, I think you go along here, I'm sorry to, hey, not just was, uh, not just am I sorry, but I was also wrong to do this. All the way to the next step of, you know, I, I really, you know, I, I messed up. I, I'm sorry. How can I make this right? I think that there's uh, kind of a kind of an increase um, here of uh, of taking ownership, like I said. So, what do you think? What do you think we're looking for in a loved one who has wronged us in the same way several times? It could be something serious. It could be something not so serious. What do you think we're looking for in a loved one who has wronged us in the same way several times? Change? Commitment to change, maybe? Okay. Anybody else? What, um, does anybody ag ag agree or want to dig into that a little bit more? Do you mean in terms of an apology? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you think we're looking for in a loved one who's wronged us? Over and over, it seems like I'm going to expect denial from the person. Okay, could expect denial. The pessimist side of the too. What would you... The next step is not only do I owe restitution, but 
how do I keep this from happening again? How, yeah. What do I need to do to keep this from happening? Yeah. So you, and, and that seems again like another step towards taking additional ownership when you ask it in this way. What do I need to do? Yeah. Um, would anybody be satisfied with verbal assurance that the offense will not happen again? Okay, uh, but the air conditioner feels especially loud today. But Abby said some action would need to be shown, right? Action to show what? I heard somebody say action to show that change. Yeah? Action. Right, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or six months feels like it could be a long time too. It, you know, definitely not. You know, a couple of days and you know you fall off again. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for another R word that might indicate the a willingness to change. Wow, <laughs> repent. That is the word I'm looking for. Very good. How do you define repentance? What does it look like? Sure, David. Yeah. I was just saying it's a, it's a 180. Oh, the, you're actually giving me the hand motion. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a 180. Kind of a change, right? Anybody else have a, have a good Bible definition of repentance that they want to share? Yeah, specifically, right. You, uh, as there, there's an acknowledgement. And then when you said abstaining from repeating the actions, that indicates some kind of commitment, right? Yeah, in case some kind of commitment. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the word that's, that is most often used in the New Testament for repent, especially, you know, think for example, uh, Acts chapter two, right? Peter preaches this, uh, this amazing sermon on the day of Pentecost and uh, thousands of people are there and he's telling them basically the gospel in miniature. Now what the book of Acts gives us is really kind of an outline, right? Peter probably would have been speaking for a lot longer than that. That was just convention for writing histories like what Luke was writing uh, with Acts and writing biographies like he was writing with, uh, with the gospel of Luke. So when the people are listening to Peter preach and he gives them, he kind of leaves them hanging there at the end where they're like, okay, Peter, what, what do we need to do? What does he say? Acts 2.38, y'all. There we go. Okay, just, maybe you just needed to know where we were in chapter 2. <laughs> okay. Yeah, repent. Okay, that word is one of the most common words used for repentance in the New Testament. And it means something kind of like to change your mind or to change course. Now, when it gets used in these highly charged settings like Acts chapter 2, change your mind is much more significant than, well, I thought I was going to wear a green shirt today, but I decided to change my mind and wear a blue shirt instead. Change your mind in this sense is really a radical transformation, like what David's mentioned earlier. You do a 180. So you change course. The necessary component of repentance the necessary component of repentance is change or transformation, right? Very much so. 
That, and that transformation of our mind, that is rooted in repentance. Very much so. Good, uh, good, good call there, Henry. This kind of change in thinking, transformation of mind, this kind of change in thinking should lead to a change in behavior. That's one of the, that's one of the reasons why folks like these and other you know, licensed professional counselors and marriage and family therapists, that's one of the reasons why folks like that, that profession has the success that it does for people who are genuinely invested and are wanting to change, a lot of times a change in thinking has to happen. And as one's thinking begins to change, your brain actually begins to change. You can get into patterns, like your brain, act, like your brain physiology actually begins to change as your, patterns of, as your pattern of thinking changes, which leads to patterns of behavior changes. Okay, so if repentance is your primary apology language. If what you need to hear from the offending party is, I am sorry I did that. I will not do that again. All right. If repentance is your primary language of apology, then what all does this entail? Let's kind of walk through some steps, maybe for how we can learn how to repent effectively, all right? So, say that you've offended your, a, a loved one and uh, uh, like genuinely hurt them in some way. And it's happened you know, maybe once or twice or maybe a dozen or so times. And they're sick of it and you finally are willing, you finally are real, willing to genuinely repent. Emphasis on the word genuinely. You're finally willing to genuinely repent. What do you think would be maybe the first step in expressing, or first step that you would need to take? What do you think? Was that? Confession. Some kind of confession, right? Why do you think that would be helpful, Alicia? Just kind of admit that you realize that you were wrong and somebody else and also to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of admission. Confession that hey I've messed up, All right? That's good. I like the word says verbalize the desire to never hurt you in that way. Yeah, verbalize the desire to never hurt you in that way again. How important is it to verbalize feelings like that to a loved one? Seen a lot of folks nod their head yes. I think generally we could say it's important, right? Okay, y'all know my next question. Why? Why is that important? Why is that helpful? Well, it's imprinted on your mind before you commit into saying it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, uh, you're going to be reminded and held accountable yeah. by a physical sense. Uh, so at least you're one person. Yeah. Which uh, a lot of people don't necessarily. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. It, it's almost, uh, it, in some ways, it's helpful to verbalize that if, if you can hear that hear you say that. Yeah. It, it expresses a willingness to hold yourself accountable because if you're doing something over and over and over again, uh, you know, that's developed a habit pattern. Mm -hmm. And unless you want to get rid of it, if you just want to get rid of that because you're getting in trouble, right? that doesn't work. Yeah. 
you have to get to the point to where you ex you want to hold yourself accountable for not letting that happen. That's a f uh, at least we'll get to you in just a second. That's uh, David's mentioned something here that's pretty fascinating. Um, he said that you you want you need to get to a point where you want to hold yourself accountable. It was the summer of two, 2009, summer of 2009, I was um, nearing, I was about halfway through, um, I was about halfway through my first round of grad school. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you all now, private school is an expensive place to find yourself, okay? <laughs> Don't make that mistake. I was about halfway through my first round of grad school, and I distinctly remember um, I, for some reason, that, that summer was a spiritual battlefield for me. I was regularly praying late into the night, really trying to overcome the vices that had me at that point in my life. And I re distinctly remember being on the floor one evening, praying to God, God, I, I'm tired of lying to you. I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to change. Obviously, I don't want it badly enough, otherwise I would do it. But what I do want is this. I want to want to change. Okay? I want to want to change. And that's the best I can give you right now, God. It's honest, but that's the best I can give you. And that summer was kind of the the, the spark that led to a spiritual breakthrough where I became free of, uh, of the particular vice that I was wrestling with at that time. I had to express a willingness, but even just a willingness to want... Asking God to give you the willingness. That's what I needed. Like, yeah. Like, because, yeah, just sometimes you don't... Like you said, you're, you're trapped... Satan is telling you whatever. He's on the other side. Like, oh, this is all good. It's okay. Yeah. You, you, you can do this. You can do this. You can handle it. Right. And no, you don't need to bother anybody else. Yeah. And in your heart, you're doing the pleasing mom deal where you just say, okay, you know, just to say it. And that's what I say. I mean, I don't want to be the mom. I want you to not say something so that I'll, you know, think more right. of the situation. That's how I have to think about it, too, is say it because you mean it. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but instead of the yes man, I promise I'll make my bed tomorrow type of thing. Um, <laughs> right. Let's talk through. Give me the most honest you can give me and then we can go from there. Yeah. That's all I was able to give God in that summer of two thousand nine. Alicia, you had a comment? That, that really is a perfect segue to the next step. When you're planning on repenting, 
right? And if you have gotten to the point where you need to tell a loved one, okay, I am willing to repent. That confession is absolutely important because you really, like, you basically, you share your heart with your loved one, right? They're not a mind reader. Sometimes they might be really good at guessing what you're, what you're thinking. Um, but most of the time, just bank on them not assume that they just can't read your mind, okay? Because they are not God. Fair enough, okay? Verbalize that commitment. Verbalize that. What's the worst it's going to do, right? Probably benefit, uh, beneficial. After you verbalize the commitment, kind of banking off of what Alicia said here, develop a plan. How are you going to change your behavior life? Specifically with this one thing. Uh, how many of you make New Year's resolutions? That just, do really just a few of us? Yeah. Maddie, that face says it all. No way, Jose. <laughs> I'm not making those. Sometimes. How many of you sometimes make New Year's resolutions? Okay. Uh, okay, all right, all right. How many of you were bashful to say that you made New Year's resolutions because you don't keep your New Year's resolutions for very long? I feel like it's something that you okay. haven't changed. You're going to change it with, like... <laughs> why, why does the turn of the calendar matter? Well, yeah. Father's Day resolutions, yeah. Monday is the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you have ever developed a plan to change your behavior or life? How did it go? Some say poorly. I'll tell you. The, I'll, I set my expectations too high. Oh, that's man. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna eat so well. Nobody's gonna know who I am after quarantine is over. <laughs> Day three. <laughs> this is just a quick detour. Yeah, I, we're, uh, we're right at time, so we wanna, I want to wrap up with this. It really does help if you are willing to do the hard work of confessing and expressing your desire to repent. The next step is to develop a plan that you can stick to, right? Develop a plan that you can stick to and talk about it. Write it down, talk about it, something along those lines. In 2012, right, and I, I use me as an example because I don't think that I'm super disciplined, you know? I, I don't think that I'm super disciplined. But in 2012, I made a series of New Year's resolutions and I managed, I, I talked about them all the time and told friends and family and I managed to keep them all. And by the time that 2012 finished up, I kept keep them all in 2013. Also, I, I was I adjusted a couple things, switched that. By the time 2014 rolled around, I had lost 45 pounds, just because I had said, "Okay, New Year's resolution: I'm not going to eat this, and I'm not going to eat that." Because these days, since I I don't have these days, I have no vice except for food. How many of you stress eat? All right, that's my advice. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't use any kind of tobacco products, I don't look at pornography, I don't do any kind of drugs. Food is my advice. When I am stressed out, 
Double bacon cheeseburger from Whataburger, large fries, and a drink. The uh, four count uh, house barbecue strips with curly fries and a drink from Buffalo. Yeah, so anyway, now y'all are all starting to know, oh man, Kevin's really easy to go to lunch with. <laughs> Don't tempt me, Frodo, okay? <laughs> Confess, develop a plan, write it down, talk about it. And that is how you can genuinely repent. One final thing I had, uh, I was told today, part of the reason why it's so hard to find the five languages of apology is because it's in a new edition with a totally new title. Big thanks to Melanie, our resident detective, <laughs> for finding that out for us. It is now called When Sorry Isn't Enough. Okay, When Sorry Isn't Enough. And if you can remember, Sorry and Gary Chapman, chances are you'll find it. When Sorry Isn't Enough by Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas. Okay, so if you can also remember fivelovelanguages.com, you can go there. You can find those quizzes that we've been taking. Guys, we're out of time. Thank you all so much. Appreciate you all. We'll see you for our last class next week. We're going to take you Discover Your Language of Apology quiz at the end of class next week. So we'll see everybody next week. Thank you all very much. We got started super late.